What do you get when you get a Canadian Ghanaian, a Kenyan, and a Gambian on a podcast? Well, we don't argue about Jalaf, that's for sure. <laughs> Welcome to the Africans. We talk all for of Canadian and African football because we to the Africans if we can do both. Join your host, Quest and Woody, talks with Nelson, Mo, and brings plethora of guests and talks national teams in Canada, the feature of the sport, as well as African players, African teams, and all the fun around it. So you sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, <laughs> scheduled for six, starts recording at 9.45. Scheduled for six, shows up at 10. <laughs> <laughs> And and by the way, is the person who calls you or messages you and says, "Yo, let's do it at seven. See, the funny thing is, Nelson. Like, he, I said, "Yo, give me half hour. We'll be there." I got there like forty minutes, and then I'm like, "Yo, yeah. where's this man? Where is yeah. this man?" No, I genuinely. So, no jokes. I um, mm-hmm. I ate, and then uh, Angie and I just started talking. And we didn't. We were just having so much fun that I look at the, I look at the time, and it's nine. I'm going fuck. So, so I'm rushing back, trying to talk to you. But at this point, I'm like, uh, let's see if he's still on. You know. <laughs> but good thing you're not working tomorrow, are you? Oh no 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 no. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I don't even Good think choice. there's going to be much open tomorrow. I'm guessing. No, some things might be open. Like, I know, like, well, where I am at, I'm in Chatham right now. So, like, some of the grocery stores will be open. But, like... Oh, nice. Yeah, but, like, for the most part, everything... Oh, no wonder your internet connection's good. <laughs> Which is the sad part. It's the sad part, man. Like, why does it have to go, like, visit Dude, people it's and actually, use their like, internet? crisp. You Normally, can... at this point, there's, like, crackles. I know. It, it's It's unfortunate, but this is the struggle of me. But it still works... It still goes, no complaints so far. Yo, man, how you been, though? Overall good? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's Chatham? Chatham is, is Chatham. It's, it is it is what it is. It's a lovely town. The, the people make it what it is, not just uh, the the overall city. Um, Chatham basically feels like a... Uh, it's like it's like St. Catharines. It's more like Welland than it is like anything else. So, like, that's a... The best way to describe it. Dead on it, the inside. Gotcha. <laughs> I didn't say that for the for the for the viewers from Chatham who are listening. I did not say that. What? And all three. <laughs> all three. Yes, all three. I. We'll look at the stats a little bit later for that. But man, it's been. <laughs> no, it's it's been good. It's it's honestly been good. It's been a nice uh, change of pace for me just to kind of get out and um, do that and head back in going through. I mean, most leagues have started. Um, most transfers that we thought would happen didn't happen. Which Tell is, me about which, it. I think that's a disappointment. Well, which which one didn't happen? For me, I'm a little bit. I think the, the transfer I'm most disappointed that didn't happen mm. was Osimhen moving. Uh, I thought he uh, honestly Napoli are really really tough mm-hmm. to get their players. That They're basically they the world's. Uh, the Italy's Spurs. Um, yeah, fair. So, and genuinely, think about it. If Kane moved for 100 million, 
with one year left on his contract. Yeah. At 31? Effectively 30, 31 years old. Yeah, so you're you're basically saying, what is a 23-year-old in-form striker going to go for? Oh, for sure. So he's probably in this market easily 200 mil. Mm Mm-hmm. And Manu doesn't have that budget. Man City is definitely not spending that spending that much. Uh, yeah. Chelsea are definitely not spending that much. Well, no, Chelsea will spend it. They'll just spend I don't it on think another so. midfield for, for one player two hundred mil. I don't think so, because the way they're doing it is the whole amortization thing, right? It's yeah. breaking it down. Two hundred million is too much. Agreed, agreed. I don't. I don't think they could validate that. That's like. And Napoli might not even accept that. Napoli might say we want all of the money at once because we need to replace them. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, I, I, you, yeah, I don't think that might work. The only people who are throwing around 200 mil are PSG. the Saudi League. Is the Saudi Leagues at this point. Yeah, and PSG. I think PSG could definitely do 200 mil. But I think even they're burnt. After, after spending all that money on Neymar and Bappe and both of them wanted to leave, well, Neymar left and... Mbappe yeah. wants to leave, so... And then Messi... I mean, Messi came out of free, but still, you got barely anything in return for that. Yeah. But anything. I think the whole Messi thing was, let's try and appease Neymar, I think. I think that's more of appeasing Neymar than anything else. Hmm. Um, well, maybe not even appeasing Neymar, but just you you are getting the best player in the world for free, so... Yeah. Hey, you gotta try. At least see how that works. No, agreed, agreed. I think, and they actually works. got worse with him. That's a funny part. Which is, uh, yeah, I mean, because that that club is a club that you judge your victories not by leagues but by Champions League uh, trophies and True. round of sixteen exits. Don't really give confidence when your league win is a foregone conclusion, and that's like okay, now we need that Champions League trophy. Mm-hmm. But from there, in terms of transfers that did happen, anything that you saw that excites you um, in any of the leagues? I'll be honest with you. I thought um, Jude Bellingham, I thought Jude was going to be another hype bomb from Germany who doesn't Mm. leave up. And so far, so good. So far, is clearly looking like genuinely the best, the best midfield in the world right now. Like, Mm. It's not even a joke. And it's not the goals. People might just look at the goals. If you watch him play, mm-hmm. he, his ability to control matches yes. is ridiculous. Like, it's actually stupid. I'm, I'm shocked that Man City didn't even try and buy him. Well, who are they going to... I mean, now we can have that conversation. because Well, they yeah. don't have De Bruyne. Like, well, yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like now you can have the conversation because De Bruyne is out, but no, but even De... if, even with De Bruyne, they don't play the same position. He plays True. an eight role, and De Bruyne plays the ten role. So yeah, you can definitely shoehorn him in. Remember, they lost Gundogan. Yes. So, you that's a like for like replacement. Uh-huh. Like literally, he's actually an upgrade on Gundogan. Yeah, I, I think he would be. Yeah, for sure. And if I'm not wrong, Bellingham went to the Man City um, youth team. Did I th- he? No, I he went th- to Birmingham. Went to Birmingham. Yeah, I think it was Birmingham. Yeah, because that's where his brother is right now. Yeah. 
No, like no. I, I, I look at Jude. I, I, I'm confusing Jude with Sancho, but um, uh, it to me Bellingham. I, did, I, I honestly thought I thought he was going to play well. I didn't think he was going to be a bum, but uh-huh. I didn't think he was going to be this good this early. Now it's only a couple of games in. Could peter out, but I don't think so. I think this is here to stay. Yeah, and I think it's good at least for that league specifically because again you had players like again Jane Sancho who left. You had the Leon Bailey's that left. I mean, those were the two, if not the higher profile. Wait, which league? That, you do you mean? that left the Bundesliga and went out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To the Prem, right? Oh, there's so many. There's so yeah. many who've you, Sancho didn't live up to the hype. Kai Havertz didn't live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else hasn't lived up to the hype from from Germany? I mean, no. Bailey's looked better this year, but still nah, hasn't. Nah, Bailey's up to the hype. still trash. But he hasn't looked up to um, the hype. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who else has moved from the German league? Um, I feel like there's a lot more. There should be a lot more, yeah. Because I'm just looking at like players this year who have left, and to me, it's just like, yeah, that's no real surprise. Um, who, who, who? Uh, Declan Rice, I think, is kind of weird. Well, Rice moved within the Prem, but Rice has been an inter- is an interesting in terms of going to Arsenal, and like, I guess we can start there in terms of looking at the Prem right. um, and how it's kind of looking. I, I think again, big story coming out is like no De Bruyne right now for City, who seem to they're not sh- they're not just cruising along, but they're getting results. They but can they sustain though. that without that? Oh yeah, type of a player. I think I think with Haaland. Um... We we keep forgetting that they still, even without De Bruyne, mm-hmm. Man City are still leagues ahead of the Premier League. Like they are so much better than the rest. Hmm. It is ridiculous. He is they they have so much squad depth. Mm. Calvin Phillips didn't even touch a game. Yeah. That's a problem. The issue yeah. with Man City is that their squad is just... And think about it. All the young players that they're betting in, like Rico Lewis and all these guys, yeah, they're just... Nathan Ake and... Well, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, people from the, from the academy. Oh, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, like, they have players coming in that are maintaining a high level of... Um, like, Rico Lewis just looks good. Mm-hmm. You, I, I, I don't think you understand how good this team is. They bought, uh, they brought in, uh, Doku, right? Yeah, Jeremy Doku. Yeah. Jeremy Doku, but Jeremy Doku technically is taking the position of Bernardo Silva. Yes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Then, the new guy they bought. I don't know much about him. I've never watched a lot of games with him. So, um. The new midfielder they bought, just uh, on deadline day. Okay, okay. Let me see if I can. Uh, Matthias Nunes. Okay, Matthias Nunes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Mm. I couldn't tell you if he's like um, decent or not. Like, I know he's a he's a Wolves player, wasn't he? I oh yeah, he was a Wolves player. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how good he is. Like, I I haven't watched Wolves <laughs> enough to say. Like, for instance, I know how good Paulinha is 
at yeah. Fulham. Like, I think... Paul, I am actually so happy Paulinho did not move to Man City because that would have been so unfair. Uh. Now, Nunes could end up being everything you expect from them, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like... I like I liked him at, at Wolves as your resident. I, I finally get the shine here. Yeah, yeah, I liked him at Wolves. I didn't think he was bad. Um, the problem with Wolves was just it just felt like they went through a. My issue with them last year was I I told you last year I thought they were going to get relegated just based off of players they were losing and again they've lost more. They're still probably going to do the same thing, which is survive somehow mm-hmm. and then finish in thirteenth and then call it a season. Mm. But for what he offers, just in terms of... I mean, he can play all three levels of the midfield, which kind of helps Pep in that standpoint of if you want a player who can play a little bit more fluid within all three phases of that midfield. I think that would that helps them in terms of that. He's Again, you're not going to get a player to that quality of De Bruyne, but I think... Wait, you think Matus Nunes is coming in to replace... Kevin De Bruyne? No, 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 no. Who is, he, who is he replacing? That's my question. I is he replacing Gundogan or is he replacing De Bruyne? He's closer to I assume they were. Yeah. I assume they're replacing De Bruyne. Uh, not De Bruyne. Um, Gundogan. Gundogan. Because yeah. they tried the Kovacic thing. Yes. And I think they're like, yeah, Kovacic is more like a Rodri, mm-hmm. um, a Rodri player or a Rodri... Uh, match than he is a he's he's like the Pullman's Rodri. How about that? Yeah, I think no, that's, that's what fair, he is. That's fair. So to me, um, it's pretty clear that Nunes was. I wouldn't say a panic buy, but it's pretty clear they needed, they wanted Paulinho, and Fulham just did, wasn't playing that game. Mm-hmm. So. Nunes isn't a terrible consolation prize if you want a Paulina, but I think, yeah, I think he can, he's more of that Gunnan replacement than he is a De Bruyne replacement. I think they'll still run with the Yankees. They try to let Foden play more centrally to see if he can get some of that creativity from there. And you still have Holland moving forward. So I think, yeah, the depth of this Man City squad isn't really a surprise. Um,. So I could see them continuing on. I think it might be a tighter finish than they um, anticipated. I doubt it. It could be. I'm calling it right now. They walk mm. the league. They're they walk the walking league, this say? league. I, 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 I don't know what people are watching. They are slow now, and they still haven't lost a game. And they have steamrolled teams that people are struggling to beat. Mm-hmm. How about that? That, that's they fair. are so good, even when they're not good. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. come on, like they put, they beat Fulham five one, and it could have been worse. And it could have been worse. And this is the and the the funny thing is, Fulham will come to Manchester United and could win. Yeah, Fulham will go to Arsenal and could win. Fulham will go to any other team and could win. They go to Man City and they get spanked. Spanked. 
Yeah. And we're talking about a team that we're not really sure what is their first 11. Yes. So that's how good they are that even with a... And I don't even think... I think we know. So Haaland's position is solid. I think Foden's position is solid. Yes. Alvarez, I think it's almost impossible at this point to leave him out of the squad. Those three are solid. I think it's just... And Rodri's position is solid. So the the, the question is, do you go with Doku or Bernardo Silva? Do you go with Kovacic or do you go with Nunes? Right? Like, it's only those two options. Uh-huh. And so it's a battle of which of those players will be preferred depending on the system. So, hey, it is what it is. The best team in the, in the league is walking the league. Arguably the best team in the world um, right now. Oh, no, it's not arguably. They won the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> in case you weren't wondering, yes, I agree. How have you heard the story of the FIFA Club World Cup? How they've expanded it? Yep. Yeah. What do you think about it? I mean, I don't... It, I like the idea of the cup expanding mm. so that it's more than just the... You know, you play the, the, the lesser teams and then you get to like the larger teams. If you're going to do it, make it an actual cup. I don't know how that's going to work in terms of the timing of it mm. because now you have to try to get all these games in, how that's going to disrupt seasons, mm-hmm. how that's going to disrupt things like that. But I like the idea of making it an actual competition that way mm. because I, 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 I just give me more opportunities to see top teams. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that only helps to the, the popularity of the game that already is the most popular game in the world. So I don't mind it. There are little aspects of it that I, I do question in terms of the timing of things. How are you going to condense it all? If you're going to do 34 teams, you're really that, that's a month-long tournament if you're really going to try to do it that way. So how are you going to pull that off? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I right now, I'm not as opposed to it as I think some others. Might. I am very you? opposed to it. Okay, hit me. What? I think uh, the FIFA Club World Cup originally was built correctly. Oh. It's the best teams in the continent. Mm-hmm. of Sorry, the best teams representing each continent yes. facing each other. It's yes. simple. It's direct. There's no discussion. There's no conversation. Who's the best team in Africa? This team. Who's the yeah. best team in Europe? This team. Best team in North America. So on and so forth. It's that simple. Yeah. What you're now doing is you panicked about hearing that there might the be a Super, Super League. League. Yeah. And now you're going, okay, we need to create a tournament that will appease the biggest clubs in world football. Uh-huh. That's what's going on. And honestly... That the this tournament has clearly showcased that it, this is the reason why Liverpool, Manchester United were up for sale and they have quickly rescinded their offers to sell the clubs. Yeah. And because these guys are thinking, okay, so we might just get the Super League. Maybe not the way we wanted, but 
we can still get the league that we we can get like more revenue streams coming into the clubs yeah and the people who are going to suffer to be honest will be the players but that but that's the case most of the time right it's you you want to try to create something that'll make more money who suffers there's barely enough time that's like the whole notion of something like nations league right the, the concept of Nations League on paper makes sense. Yeah, you want to have teams playing more similar type competition so that those teams can develop and grow more revenue streams, of course. What that means is now you have more, quote-unquote, official games. And with more official games means you're calling up the same players constantly. So then where is the rest coming from? Which is the whole, which is a whole thing when I, which I'm seeing with the women's game a bit, too. Where it's like, okay, they're introducing Nations League for women in Europe, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but you already have a sport that is <clears throat> struggling in terms of keeping up with injuries, trying to find solutions to those injuries, mm. and the gaps and just the variety of the different leagues. Not every league starts at the same time nor ends at the same time. Mm-hmm. So then, where is the rest really for players? You're going to just have a lot of just overuse injuries happening, and I think that's unfortunate. I, I like the idea of that. I, I think realistically, if they had just said for the the FIFA Club World Cup, they just did like they had done this before, where they just had the eight teams or whatever it was, plus the host, and then you do two groups of four, similar to how they did the Confederations Cup, right? Mm. Two groups of eight. You play everyone once. There's a quarterfinal, or there's a semifinal, and then there's a final, and then that's it. Guarantee okay. every team three games at yep. the minimum and run that way. I think that would have worked better. I do agree with you there where it, it this very much does reek of we need to create a format that is similar to the Super League but then isn't the Super League so that yeah. we can at least guarantee those those uh, revenue streams. But ultimately, again, who ends up suffering the players do because the more games you create... like. Because that's the question. Like, and that's my number one question. Where is this going to go? The, we already saw what a condensed schedule does last year leading up mm-hmm. to, the, to the Men's World Cup. Mm-hmm. So then where are you going to put this when you have leagues that even will look at... like Unless you're going to convince every league, you either make the Club World Cup in December over that holiday break if, and you convince every league to take that break. Mm-hmm. But then you don't give those players a break. So then what do you do then, right? Is it just, we're just going to make money and those players from the top leagues, they can either keep form or those hamstrings get stretched a little bit further? It's I think, like, okay, think about it this way. If you're a Man City player, because mm. you're going to be going deep in all the competitions you play in. Yeah. If you're a Man City player, you're a... Um, which are the big teams? Man City, Real Madrid, mm-hmm. Bayern, um, um, Bayern Munich this season. Um, any team that is probably going to get to the semifinals, uh, depending on you know all the little small variables. But yeah, um, all of those teams, you are going to hate, hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, it's just fair and simple. No, agreed, agreed. 
But, I don't think there's any other way to look at it from that. Yeah. Interesting, because I'm looking at the confirmed teams. Yeah, because like the the current the current format for the one that will happen this year is going to be just there's a new entrant at every level. Right. But then the first two are the lowest ranks, so then you move on to the second round. Then there's a semifinal, and then you have the final and the third place matchup. And if you only have what one, two, five, six, we're still waiting for the South American. Yeah, because South America is the last. Common Bowl is the last uh, qualifier that we're waiting for. That mm-hmm. means you have seven teams, and mm-hmm. what you could easily do is just say, "Hey, if you're hosting, you do. You have two teams that are there, um, so you can do the top two teams. So right now, twenty twenty three. It's Jeddah is hosting it, um, so Saudi Arabia, like, or as some sporting groups will say, the beautiful progressive city of Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Yes, sports beautiful washing. All wait, you have to do so is wait, wait, wait. You're you're saying the next FIFA Club World Cup is going to be hosted in in Jeddah, in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize I actually won the uh, the bid. I didn't that, even know you can bid for the FIFA Club World Cup. Well, Th- that's fi- new. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I, FIFA, I, I genuinely didn't even realize that. Yeah. I, I th- again, if you could always bid for it, I guess good for them. But yeah, so there's one more team we're waiting for from Common Bowl. But all you would have to have done is add an additional Saudi Arabia team because they're hosting. So the top two teams. Do two groups of four, mm-hmm. then get to a semifinal round for the two top teams, and then the final round for the top teams, and that's running from, what's it called? Yeah, that's running from the 12th to the 22nd, which would have been effectively the World Cup window from last year. A little yeah, bit but shorter. like, to me, so if you if you if you're essentially bringing in. Um, 32 teams, which is what mm-hmm. they're going to be doing, right? I'm For 2025, sure. yeah. 2025. Is it 2025? Yes. So, and by the way, the host is America, which I think is also some sort of bribery because of the fact that um, they're hosting the World Cup, the well, next World Cup. No, it's... it is. I don't know. I like the way we immediately go if it's an Arabic country. Um, they definitely paid, but if it's an American country, or if it's America or one of the European countries, it must have been just what they. No, they paid. Now, I'm I'm calling it now. They paid. But like that's a, but but that's a frustrating thing because you used to have things that were built in for that because you could argue. If, what if do you mean wanted... we had things that were built in for that? Explain yourself. Oh, I mean, okay. So here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean. So FIFA would have its test tournaments prior to the World Cup, which was the Confederations Cup, right? Okay. You'd have all the champions, all the continental champions come descend on the host nation plus mm-hmm. the host nation, mm-hmm. and then you would run a 4 by 4 basically, a semifinal and a final. Okay. And then that would be their test run. That would be their test tournament before the World Cup. You could yeah. run. You would run any kinks in terms of logistics, movements, things like that. You, you ironed those things out, and then ultimately everything was good. So that's what it is. I think, again, while we look at 2025's Club World Cup as a appeasement for Super League, 
you can also quote if you wanted to, you can look at it as a yeah, this is probably some version of a test run for that World Cup in 2026 to see kind of how it goes. Because how that one is working, for those who aren't following still, it's the past four champions. So champions from 21 all the way to 24, or the 23-24 season. So the that's all the teams that are coming in. So if you are in, what's it called? If you're in UEFA, who has 12 slots in this, right? Which, that's where it gets the most complicated. You have... The 21 Champions League, the 22 Champions League, the 23 Champions League, and then the 24 Champions League. And then you have the best eligible team in UEFA, and on the four-year ranking, the second best, the third best, the fourth, and then the next eight best ranked teams from a UEFA standpoint. That's how that's going. And then for, what's it called, for Common Bowl, it's the last four winners, and then the best, the next best three the next best two ranking teams on a four-year ranking. So from 2021 all the way to 2024. And that's how those teams are going through. Yeah, I don't disagree with you when you say the notion of this very much does feel as if this was part of the agreement. But then you could also look at it from a standpoint, if you're trying to be rose-colored glasses, you can look at it from the standpoint of, yeah, this was just a building opportunity to where they, this is their test run. Because we don't know really what that test run is going to be. There is talks that the Gold Cup for North and for, for CONCACAF might be just a, a bigger tournament, which to me, I, I've always been the proponent of call some teams from Africa, get like the last two AFCON winners. You already have the Asia winners there. Call up a team from Australia uh, or from Asia. Well, the Oceanic, and then bring those in and have a either a 22 or to a 32-team tournament that you run in the summer to test logistics through all three countries. But I think that Gold Cup will be that version. I'm not Gold Cup. The, the FIFA Club World Cup will be that version of that test run for their first test because logistically, the U.S. does have the trophies. I mean, they do have the stadiums for it. But I do ask myself from the standpoint of when will it is? And that's supposed to. And that's the other thing. That tournament is supposed to happen in June, July, mm-hmm. in twenty twenty five, which is why it's probably going to be their version of a. What's it called? Yeah, it's going to be their version of their test run. That that's why I think there's a to a degree. That's why I think FIFA did it this way. But I don't disagree with you. I think envelopes were passed. I I think envelopes were passed. Mate, like it doesn't make sense when you. When you evaluate the reasoning for doing it, it's a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that um, they realized that it, without that with with without the possibility, if if all the big teams basically revolt and create the new or secede or whatever, and leave their individual FAs and create their own league, they'd be crazy powerful. You'd have Inter Miami, Manchester United, Manchester City, all the big teams in Europe, uh, one or two teams from South America, one or two, m- probably multiple teams from the US. You know, because um, in essence, I don't know if you, we actually touched on it a little bit, but 
uh, I'm the Man U fan, so I have to kind of go back to my my team from time time to time. Apologize. <laughs> but I don't know if you read um, that the Glazers have kind of rescinded the offer, and that they were looking for around ten billion. Ten. Yeah. To sell much like they value Manchester United higher than the mm. Dallas Cowboys even though we don't make anywhere near the same amount that the Cowboys make. And one of the reasons why they say they're looking for $10 billion is they expect in the next two years, they expect to be, to be one of the teams basically either going to be in the FIFA Club World Cup, right? Or uh, are going to be one of the teams that their revenue streams are going to be coming in from the fact that if the World Cup plays well in 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 the USA, there's going to be more billionaires looking at football, and eventually will try and buy the club. Well, we're already seeing that happen now, just with like if if Turn you want. Bully? Well, yeah, if you want to call it the the bully effect, if you want to call it the the Wrexham effect, you're seeing like small like. Let me get my let me get my twenty percent check in, right? You're seeing like. But like, the thing about Wrexham is that that's not a good investment. Oh, I know, but but I'm saying, well, it's not a good investment um, from that standpoint. But in terms of just you're you're buying in from a very low value. You're there. That group is trying to play the long game with it, and they might succeed. Maybe they get the. They, I'm going to say right now, calling it, they will not. The the gap between. You see, what they are right now is Wrexham are the very wealthy, low-level team, right? Yes. They have mm. very wealthy pockets at the moment. Mm-hmm. Once they get to, like, the second division, mm-hmm. the division right below the championship, division one or whatever it is, yeah, they that gap is crazy. It's close, yeah. It's, it's and the then same thing once they get yeah. to the championship where you have actual ballers then, playing in that league because the championship mm-hmm. has some rich teams yeah there's some big teams in the championship yeah Bolton Borough all these guys are not small freaking teams those are huge teams you will struggle mm-hmm. Leeds used to be a big team for the longest time yeah. like all these teams are massive I, I think they're going to struggle and another thing that you uh, throwing around money in the lower leagues gives you the best players. What happens when you can't do that once you get to the championship? When a, when an actual player still costs you around, and you definitely don't have forty million. No, and and I what think do you do that. Then? Well, but I think that's with a thing, right? And that, mm. that that's a point that's fair, right? Right now, like the Wrexham idea is great in principle. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing more people going as like, yo, let me get like my ten, let me get like twenty percent into Burnley, let mm. me get my like ten percent into Bolton. Mm. You're starting to see that investment happening now, and I think just because you know that there's going to be interest after the twenty six World Cup from mm-hmm. an American standpoint. Now, whether that stays in North America or if teams look and say, hey, let's try to invest that into. Uh, teams that are overseas and we can try to quickly double or triple our value and infuse and do that way. That could work as well. You have leagues like, okay, like 
not as big as a Bolton there, but like, do you, does it does an investor say in Canada look and say, yo, let me put some money into um, a team like the next Luton Town that you can find, or do they say, yo, let me actually instead of doing that, let me invest that money into? But like, this is oh sorry, yeah. I, I, the reason why I I I'm very adamant about this stupid idea that billion that American billionaires are just going to come in spend crazy amounts of money and everything's going to work the reason why Bowley is spending all this money that people keep forgetting is Abramovich literally specified that when whoever is buying Chelsea will need to spend a certain amount of money he specified the amount I can't remember what the numbers were but he specified that they have to spend a specific amount of money minimum Mm-hmm. Okay. All Bowley did, that's why so many people are crying, is that he just utilized accounting principles yeah. to ensure that he can buy really expensive players, but technically the cost year by year means FFP looks at them and they go, You're still good. You're only paying about eighty million in transfer fees every year right well when technically they've actually spent hundreds of millions my view is even if American buyers want to buy Manchester United which American buyers are going to buy a club for 10 billion because you need to get a return on your investment Uh so that means you're buying Manchester United at 10 and you're expecting to make 15 billion 20 20, 30 that's what you're thinking you see the Cowboys you will make that money it's guaranteed Uh it is a locked league nothing new is coming up no Uh other teams are coming up you know what I mean? Yeah. It's locked in. So the one thing that you know for a fact is that the population will continuously go up. And as they go up, you just keep getting more and more fans. It's a ever-revolving cycle. But at Manchester United, there's a possibility, a very, very good possibility. We don't finish in the top four this season. Mm-hmm. If we don't finish in the top four, our income drops from however much we're going to make this year, let's say 200 million, in TV revenue and sponsorships because sponsorships are tied with the Champions League. If we don't make the Champions League next season, all the money we made will look like like we fucked up. Yes. Right? You can... You... Football for me is not a good investment strategy at the moment it's just it just isn't if you're going to be that person but that's where it's like understanding the difference on how to spell why i mean spend wisely versus just spending from a dollar standpoint right i think if you're going to do that you need to be in it for the long haul knowing like this is and looking at the infrastructure looking at those things 
and I think that gives you a better opportunity. I don't think this is, and I think this is where we agree, where I think some American owners will, and even some overall outside owners will come in and invest and just think the solution is just throw money around for the squad and that'll solve everything. No, it's more than just that. It's it's improving the infrastructure for the team, looking at the the academies. Are you able? Are you turning investments on players that are leaving? Are you getting any type of return there? Are you investing in terms of how you're scouting properly? Are are talents that are coming in? Are you searching that, doing that well, right? And if you come into that looking to actually properly invest, properly look at it that way, knowing that okay. You're putting this time in, maybe not in two years, maybe in three years you start to see the signs of that growth. Maybe you start to see signs of that success coming. I think they're better suited and they'd be better set up for that success. But ultimately, I mean, bully's the poster child of this. Come in, spend money, and what does it get you? Chelsea, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. What you're yes, it's four games into the season, but you are in your twelfth on the table. Yes, you're hanging out with folks like Newcastle and Bournemouth, but at this point, you're 12th in the cave table. You well, they'll, they'll come back. Like it's, oh, also, it's still early in the season. I still, I think Chelsea will probably finish like top. Remember, you, it's the top five teams to get in the Champions League this season. They could genuinely finish fifth or sixth. I think they've. I really rate Poch. Mm-hmm. I really rate Pochettino. I think the issue he has with his team is they don't have a... Like, Nico Jackson, as good as some people think he is, I still mm-hmm. think he's raw. So, you're still not getting a guaranteed goal scorer. Um, Sterling has started the season excellently. This that, is the yeah. best Sterling that we've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um Enzo Fernandez playing really well. Like, it's a good team. It's just a good team. The problem is people expect Chelsea to win. And they people are equating how much money has Todd Bowley put into the team. This team should win. Yes. When realistically, what he's done is he's... Todd Bowley has switched from Abramovich's very clear approach on how to buy players to the Glazers approach which is by these really random players who with the quote-unquote potential of becoming really good players mm-hmm. and Abramovich never bought potential Abramovich yeah. bought the ready-made player F- season after season Drogba Essien, Balak, Lampard, um, uh, who else are we talking about? Um, well, Terry came from the youth team, but Ashley Cole uh, in the later years, you know, the Diego Costas, the Cantes, the, like, you have to have won something and proven you're a winner to be bought by Abramovich. I think, I think football is very simple. And people try and overcomplicate things. The best players from the best teams, if you're able to get them, your team improves immediately. A good example of what we said. If you get Victor Osman, 
you got someone who just wants something, right? He knows what winning is. So, get Osiman. It's that simple. Get Nap- Napoli players who want shit. Go to um, other small leagues, Ajax. Get the people there who look like they've won stuff. So yeah. on and so forth. This idea of how the Toad Bowlies... Americans, in my opinion, I've said this multiple times. They do not know how to... They don't know football. They're so used to American-based sports, which is... American-based sports are very interesting. The college system weeds out potential... Versus the best players. Yeah. And by the time you're signing them, you know who are the best players. You already know. And outside of one or two duds, every almost like like think of every single top player that's played in the NBA, for instance. Yeah. All of them. All of the top players that have played. Bar Stephen Curry, right? Uh-huh. All of the ones, all of the best players of all time in basketball, outside of Stephen Curry, were in the top ten. Um, were in the top ten of players uh, drafted, right? Am I wrong? Um, I I'll just say that you're wrong because I I think there's more that are outside than are. But no, I understand I'm saying I'm saying the said. best players of all time. Mm-hmm. In the top 10 best players of all time, all of them were drafted top 10. All of them. Every okay. single one of them. Okay. In that sense, I, Every I single see what one. you're saying. Yeah. It's a I fact. It's not, yeah, I a, it's not a discussion. It's a fact. Magic, Magic, Jordan, uh, Shaq, every single one of them was top 10. Uh-huh. Every single one. What was... What was um, uh, Tim Duncan was he top one. ten? One. one. Uh, M- uh, Michael was second or third? Third. Third. Um, Hakeem was first. No. Yeah. Yeah. He like, was first. come on. Um, uh, what's his name? Kareem was first. Yes. So it's these every single play. I'm basically I'm oversimplifying, but yeah, the truth. Are, but yeah, but I. But the truth saying. of the matter is the top ten best players. Who've ever played the game? I'm putting I'm putting Stephen Curry as one of the top ten best players. That's an argument that some people would have. We're not going down that route, but he's the only one who was in top ten. Yeah, no, Curry was top ten. Was yeah. he? Yeah. What number was he? Curry was seven. Oh, seven. Okay, I yeah. thought he was lower than that. So even no. he goes into the the theory. He goes into the theory, but to your point. I think it's for people who are out who are not familiar with it, and even if you look at Chelsea today, right? Yeah. Identifying the top talent is a lot easier in North American sports because, as you said, the system there's a filtration place, system through exactly. College. There's a you, filtration the, through the, the filtr- They literally yeah. play each other mm-hmm. every day in college. Yeah. High, like, and by the way, it's not the same as under twenty one football. It is high stakes. It's high stakes games. Uh-huh. Those NCAA tournaments are bigger 
than the actual tournaments in professional sports. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Kentucky games, they they fill the stadium more than the Heat will all mm-hmm. season. It's actually ridiculous how big these games are. So these guys are playing in full pressured games. You can tell which guys. You, it's still guessing because there's a lot of stuff that comes into it. Yeah. A lot of injuries come into it. A lot of you know, like. Uh, depending on the team they go to, uh, a lot of external factors because a lot of these players have never had that kind of money. Yeah. All that kind of stuff comes into play. But in general, the skill and level and talent still exists. In football, where systems are so key, particularly in the modern game, yes, there are so many people who look so good right now. Mm-hmm. And if you put them in one system, they will look absolute dog shit yeah I was speaking to I was actually speaking to a Manchester United friend of mine from back home and we were arguing this I think if Manchester United and this sounds crazy to many people but if Manchester United sold if we were a good team like a well run organization from the, the football director I think we need to sell Bruno Fernandes and Rashford. Those are our two best attacking outlets at the moment. To improve our team, we need to sell them both. Because both those players are horrible at hold-up play. They are horrible at possession-based play. They do not make... we We are not modern enough at the moment... The way we play is so... I saw Eric Ten Hag talking about total football. Yeah. And he must be looking at the team going... My two best... My two only goal-scoring threats... Are actual liabilities in builder play. Huh. And that's a problem. But all these English... Also all these American owners... All they think about is... I will come in... I will splash some money. People will think I'm the fucking dog. Because here I am. Buying players for millions of dollars. But these guys are only looking at it from an asset management perspective. Hmm. They're not looking at it as uh, Mudrik might be a flop. We could have actually bought Riyad Mahrez in the same window. Mm-hmm. They went, no. Mudrik is an 80 million player at 23 there's a possibility if this this and this meets up his value could be 130 million in four years that's yeah. how they're seeing it mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and th- by the way Bowley has done very good business in selling players this season yeah. mount was 50 mil yeah uh, like he's actually made a really good return on investment on the set on the players he sold so he's looking at it going, I am right. I've gotten rid of Deadwood, made a significant amount of money. I can do this. The problem is what you said is eventually it will catch up to him. Yeah. So Because like you can only wheel and deal so much. And I think the thing that even with Ibrahimovic, like you were starting to see the issue with Chelsea was that the amount of the players that you were not 
running with your first team. Mm. I mean, some of those players could have solved some of the issues that you had to begin with, right? That's yeah. not the, right. I mean, you let Tammy Abraham go, and then you go look for another knight. It's like, well, I'm not saying Tammy is go, was going to be world class. Tammy's all better the time. than than Nico Jackson. Come on. That's but, like, that's the like, thing, right? So, like, you yeah. have a player like Tammy, it's like, well, Tammy could have done but something. I, well, actually, if we're making this argument, Rum- Romelu Lukaku is better than both. Yeah. The problem is Lukaku's just... He ain't he's about just it. something. He's just not about <laughs> it right now. He's what? <laughs> he's just not about it right now. Yeah, which, that's true. Right? But then you, like, look at, like, they, <laughs> the, year, the year before they let Tariq Lamptey go... And then yeah. you, and then you, you bring in Cucurella to, because you have to avoid the Phillips. But well, at least I can I can make an argument that Cucurella is a left back and true, and um, Tariq, Tariq Lamptey is a right back. So yeah. even if you had Tariq Lamptey, he still doesn't do, he doesn't fill the position the same way. But I know what you're saying. I I know the argument you're you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like it's yeah. you you, you know. They'll still be crucified to this day that they let go of Kevin De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Right? De Bruyne yeah. was there. Salah De was, was there. there. Yeah, De like was they, they've there. had elite level talent mm-hmm. in the team, mm-hmm. and they let and they just sold them for pennies on the dollar. And now they're basically looking back, going, "If we had De Bruyne, we finish. We don't need to buy Enzo Fernandez. Exactly. If if we had Salah, we don't need to buy Sterling." Yeah. Um, so, but for me, the the biggest indictment is I don't outside of Enzo Fernandez. Uh, I think Sterling's a good purchase, but obviously he's old, so you're not really going to get a return on investment on him. But I think, um, in terms of sales, by the way, not in terms of actual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think in his football's good. Um, I think you're going to see Manchester United like, oh sorry, Chelsea very soon, failing horribly. I think they're going to try their best and it just won't work out. Mm. Yeah, they just feel like they're investing a lot. They're they're almost, they feel like someone who's trying to stockpile assets and then try to flip them, then make a move. But then, in doing so, they're going to deplete what's left of their team, regardless. Um, and you see that in some like North American squads where they just have a bunch of assets. But then, what do you do with them? Right? A prime example, like look at the NBA. What are the okay? What are the Thunder going to do? When are they eventually going to be good? Right? When are right. they going to do the thing? Yeah, because they have pieces. They're interesting. But then the question is, okay, who do you flip, or when do you just say forget the picks? Let's get an established player who now takes us from the team of the future to the team of the present, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's that's where I think Chelsea will interestingly find themselves in if they're not careful with just signing a bunch of similar type players, especially at the youth level, because a player can get signed in Chelsea. And my first thought is, well, I mean, I'll add him to the list of players who won't break out and won't play for But the I think what, what I'm basically saying is I think Chelsea will maintain this uh, this system of buying players for 
um, like obscene amounts of money, but mm. the entire aim is in like they're not putting a value on on the player. They're more putting a value on. I don't know, like it's hard to explain in my opinion, hmm. but I really think that the value is on assets. Okay. Like that's how they view stuff. They and see, don't they don't see that, yeah. Mudrik as a, they don't see him as a good football player. They see him as, this is him as an asset class, this, and he can eventually move to this asset class. That's what I. That's my biggest problem. And that. But by the way, that's. I'm. I'm also saying that the evaluation. The if if I'm a English. Oh, sorry. If I'm an American owner, or an American billionaire, I'd be looking at Tottenham right now, going. How much would it cost me? It's probably going to cost me four billion, maybe, because mm-hmm. they have their nice new stadium and everything. You don't have to really invest that much. But the way these guys are working, I just, I, I'm really. This is this is a, I think it's just the sound of a Manchester United fan who's realized we're not going to get Qataris in here. That's I'm all. sure you, I'm sure you're just heartbroken by that, Nelson. Just I've been just, heartbroken, bro. You want that money, okay? But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, rapid fire to start to wrap this up because we had it's been a fun, interesting conversation both ways. Um, top leagues, give me your champions. Uh, Prem or is it still City until this otherwise? season? Yeah, oh, this season. This season's easy. I think this season has been pretty clear which are the which are going to be the. Winners, um, uh-huh. England, Man City, uh, yeah. France, PSG, obviously, uh-huh. yep. uh, uh, Germany, Bayern Munich, yep. Italy are the interesting ones. They are. Um, well, you ha- you still have to bend Napoli, right? Like, yeah. What they still have? I think Austin, you have man? to respect it, but I think oh, even I do wonder though now. Kind of the wrappers up as well. Gambia, the Afcon qualifiers are getting going next week. We have Nations League as well coming here in the, in Concacaf, but in the Afcon qualifiers, we have a few interesting qualifiers coming through. Um, for the most part in Africa, most teams are in. We have a few last ones to go. So qualified for. AFCON in 2024, you have Nigeria, Guinea-Bissau, you have Burkina Faso and Cape Verde, you have, now when you get to Group C, because Kenya got disqualified, really wish Nelson had still been around here for this conversation, but Namibia, Cameroon, and Burundi, that will be a very interesting setup in terms of matchups, because now you have one team that can really play it through and we'll get through that the same with group e where central uh, african republic are still alive and need a win to really put this group on its head and to kind of see what we'll go through because in group e you have ghana angola and centric african republic 
and you have Ghana playing the Central African Republic. Well, that's nine and seven points. If they are able to get a win over Ghana, then Angola just needs a draw, and well, they won't have the goal difference. But you could now find yourself in a position where, if those two teams win, Ghana is sitting on the outside looking in, uh, which will be a very unfortunate for the Black Stars. You have Group F where Algiers already qualified, Tanzania and Tanzania, or Tanzania, I don't know why I said it that way, or Uganda. Now you're looking at a game where the winner, Niger, can really affect who gets out of this group. Group G as well. Mali already qualified, but then Gambia playing Congo, winner of that group. Now Congo would have to win by at least three goals to work their way through and get that result. But Gambia is sitting pretty in their ability to go through. Group I is open. All teams are alive. Sudan, Gabon, Mauritania, and the DR Congo are all alive with games on the 9th coming up. And then Group J, Equatorial Guinea, Tunisia qualified already. South Africa and Morocco qualified. And then Group L, Mozambique and Benin are still alive. Meaning, now for that matchup, the winner, and I think it's a matchup between both sides. If I recall correctly, because that matchup on the ninth is Cameroon versus Burundi. Yeah, that matchup now means that the winner, where it gets interesting, winner of that group could effectively move on and really change the the format and the flow of who gets in. So with AFCON qualifiers, guys, it'll be very interesting, very fun to see how that goes. Those matches start on Sunday, or actually not Sunday, uh, Wednesday. So we'll be keeping an eye out on those to see how those go up. And then you have CONCACAF Nations League going up. We did a video with uh, We Max the Football on the channel. Put a link to that video in our description to talk about a little bit more. But guys, thank you for spending a little bit of time with me and Nelson. Guys, it's been us from the African saying, hope you had a good weekend. Enjoy the long weekend, and bye-bye for now.